Hey listeners, I recently launched an ad-free Serial Napper feed so that you can enjoy the podcast without interruptions. Elevate your Serial Napper listening experience by joining my Patreon community and get yourself an ad-free feed on Spotify. For just $2 a month, you can become a member today and unlock ad-free episodes while still supporting the podcast. It's super easy. Just visit Serial Napper on your Spotify app and click the button at the top that says exclusive episodes for subscribers. Don't use Spotify for your listening? No problem. Just visit patreon.com slash Serial Napper to get your episodes ad-free and enjoy uninterrupted storytelling while you get your naps in. Mother's Day is almost here. Have you found that truly special sentimental gift for your mom yet? Don't worry, I got you. MyLifeInABook.com is a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Here's how it works. Every week, MyLifeInABook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions that you want to ask. And then she can either type her response or use their voice-to-text feature And MyLifeInABook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, adventures, and the challenges that she overcame. This book becomes a legacy, something you and your children can treasure forever. Your mom has given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. I loved this idea so much that I've started my own My Life in a Book for my children to have. The thought of my son and daughter being able to learn about my life story as they grow into their own adulthood is truly special. It's been an enjoyable journey of self-reflection for me too, with questions like, which one event made the greatest impact on your life? It's brought back memories I didn't even know I had. I love it, and I know your mother will too. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code SERIALNAPPER at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use code SERIALNAPPER for 10% off today. Hey everyone, my name is Nikki Young and this is Serial Napper, an international true crime podcast. I'm back with another true crime story to lull you to sleep or perhaps to give you nightmares. We have a very bizarre unsolved case to talk about tonight, one that has numerous theories but none that actually make any kind of sense. Blair Adams was a 31-year-old man from Surrey, British Columbia, Canada, who fully believed that someone was after him, following him, trying to kill him. His friends and family thought that the historically cheerful Blair must be suffering from some kind of mental illness, so they didn't take what he was saying seriously. That is, until July 5th, 1996, when Blair decided to quit his job, empty his bank account, and flee across the American border. 
While there, several witnesses reported seeing him acting erratically. He appeared very paranoid, obviously still believing that his life was in danger. But again, no one took him seriously. Then, shockingly, just a few days later, Blair's body would be discovered in a parking lot in Knoxville, Tennessee. He had been beaten to death and was naked from the waist down. There was cash totaling $4,000 in various currencies scattered all around his body. His gold jewelry also had not been stolen from his body. So what happened to Blair Adams? Was someone really following him, trying to kill him? Or was this some kind of coincidence, a random act of violence towards a man who just so happened to think that someone was after him? So let's jump right in. Robert Dennis Blair Adams, who went by just Blair, was born on December 28, 1964, and he was raised in British Columbia, Canada. There is surprisingly very little information written about him online regarding his early life or any of his family. His mother would describe him as kind and ambitious. An ex-girlfriend called him a total gentleman. For the vast majority of Blair's life, it's not believed that he had any sort of mental illness, nothing that he had been diagnosed with or suspected of having. All of that would change in 1996 when Blair was 31 years old. At that time in his life, he was a recovering alcoholic, but he was two years sober. He had a handle on things, and he had recently stopped attending Alcoholic Anonymous meetings. He had a great job working as a foreman at a construction company in Surrey, British Columbia. He also had a longtime girlfriend who lived in Germany. The couple had met when Blair was working at his stepfather's construction company at a job site located in Frankfurt, Germany just the year prior. The long distance was difficult, but they kept in regular contact and they seemed to make it work. Everything appeared to be fine until that summer when Blair's behavior and attitude began to noticeably change. His co-workers at the construction company said he used to be an upbeat guy and a great employee, a hard-working man, but recently he had started doing very irresponsible things, things that could get him fired, like leaving his job site unlocked with all of the expensive materials and tools at risk of being stolen. He also became very paranoid, and he would tell people that someone was after him, Someone wanted to kill him. His mother would say, quote, Something was obviously very much the matter. He hadn't been sleeping well. Something was wrong. I asked him numerous times what was wrong, and he said, I don't think I should tell you about it. And to this day, I don't know what it is. Blair said that people were spreading rumors about him. He didn't want to stay alone at his apartment, and he needed to get away. He quit his job, the job that he had proudly bragged about just a few weeks prior, and he didn't even bother to return for his last paycheck. Instead, he began to make preparations to leave town and go across the border from Canada to the United States. On July 5th, just six days before Blair would be found beaten to death, he would withdraw just about every penny that he had in his savings account. 
He also emptied his safety deposit box, which contained gold jewelry and many other valuables. He would store all of his cash and his jewelry in a fanny pack and take off to visit his uncle just a few towns over. Unfortunately, his uncle wasn't home to receive his visit, so we have no idea what he wanted to say to him or why he wanted to see him. On July 7th, Blair makes his first attempt to gain access to the U.S. by booking a ferry trip from Victoria, B.C. to Seattle, Washington. When he pulls up in his Chevrolet Chevette with a ton of cash and jewelry on him, he is immediately flagged by U.S. immigration officers. They pull him to the side for further questioning, and when they ask Blair if he has any prior arrests or charges, Blair lies and says that he does not, when in fact, he had previously been convicted of assault and other drug-related charges. U.S. immigration thinks that he's trying to smuggle drugs or something, so they deny him entry. Instead of being able to cross the border, Blair turns around and decides to make a few visits to his friends and family members, ending the day with a visit to his mother. The next morning, on July 8th, Blair went to a travel agency, and he spends $1,700 on round-trip plane tickets to Frankfurt, Germany. Where he was going, we don't really know, perhaps to visit his girlfriend, but she wasn't aware of any plans to see her. Either way, he had those plane tickets refunded that same day, so obviously whatever his intention was, he changed his mind. The next time Blair Adams would be spotted was on the following day on July 9th, when Blair was once again attempting to cross the U.S. border, this time by foot. When the U.S. immigration officers processed him there, they noted that he had scratches on his hands and legs, and he appeared to be in a daze. That wasn't the only issue. Blair looked eerily similar to the description that authorities had been given of a suspect in a recent car theft. A blue car had been stolen from Vancouver, and authorities had just found it abandoned near the border crossing point. Blair denied that he was the car thief, and the immigration officers couldn't prove it was him, so they let him go. Back into Canada, of course, he was not allowed to cross the border once again that day. It's assumed that Blair was probably that car thief, but it's never been proven. Blair was determined to get into America. He headed home, and he decided to use his own vehicle this time to drive himself to the airport. Once there, he didn't get a plane ticket. Instead, he rented a Nissan Altima to try for a third time to cross the border, this time near the Seattle border. He abandoned his own vehicle at the airport, never to return to it again. I'm assuming that he has switched vehicles so many times because his own has already been flagged at the border and he's really trying to cross that border, but there could be other reasons. This third time is a charm. Blair is able to cross into Seattle driving that Nissan Altima. He drives to the Seattle airport where he ditches the car and then buys a one-way flight to Washington, D.C. for $800. 
What's really strange is that he could have purchased a round-trip flight to this destination for about half the price, but instead he paid more money for his one-way flight. Clearly, he had no plans to return. When he finally arrives in Washington, D.C., it's now the early morning hours of July 10th. Blair decides to rent another vehicle, this time a Toyota Camry, which he uses to drive seven hours to Knoxville, Tennessee. Knoxville appears to be his final intended destination, and a lot of people, including investigators, have asked why. He had no business or no reason to be in East Tennessee. He had no business or no reason to be in in Knoxville. Uh, Everything we can find out, he knows no one in East Tennessee or the Eastern United States. We cannot come up with a motive, a motive for this man to be dead. We can't come up for a reasoning for him to be here. We can't come up for a reasoning for him to leave Canada. Nobody knew he was going to take this trip. Nobody. According to Blair's mother, who did not provide this information to investigators right off the bat for whatever reason, he may have been headed south to attend the 2016 Summer Olympic Games in Atlanta, which would have been taking place about a week later. That may be true, but why would he take the most complicated route to do that? And why would he be so insistent that his life depended on him getting into the States if he were just there to see the games? None of it makes any sense, and what's even more strange is that Blair's mom never initially told any of this to investigators, and she has refused to say how she knows that he was headed to the Olympics. We don't know if this is something that he told her before he left, or if she found out later on her own, or if there is any truth to it at all. My family is getting ready to make a big move across the ocean to a place where English isn't the spoken language. This isn't my first rodeo, so I'm making sure I'm fully prepared by learning the language ahead of time. Sure, I know I can use an app once I get there, but you'd be shocked by how much gets lost in translation. I want to talk like a local, which is why I'm excited to use Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn and has been a trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, and more. Rosetta Stone helps you to think in the language you're learning using an intuitive process that's designed for long-term retention. Their built-in True Accent feature gives you feedback on your pronunciation so that you're easily understood by native speakers. They have convenient desktop and app options, so you can learn on the go, and they offer a lifetime membership that includes all 25 languages at an incredible value. And now you can save even more with 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Serial Napper listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. 
Sunnier, warmer days are almost here. Why not get a head start on looking and feeling your best this summer by trying something new like Factors no prep, no mess meals that are ready to eat in just two minutes? Get a helping hand to meet your wellness goals with Factors chef crafted meals that include different nutritional options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Healthy meal planning has never looked so good with Factors fresh, never frozen meals that are also dietitian approved. No matter how busy you are, Factor can help kickstart and maintain a new healthy routine by making it easy to enjoy nutritious meals on the go. Plus, you'll never get bored eating the same thing every day because they offer 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. We're talking restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon because eating healthy doesn't have to be boring. Personally, I love not having to overthink what I'm going to eat every single day because that's half the battle, and I don't have to bother with shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. But the best part is, these meals are delicious with ingredients you can trust. Crush your wellness goals this May. Head to factormeals.com napper50 and use code napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code NAPPER50 at factormeals.com slash NAPPER50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. The first reported sighting of Blair Adams in Knoxville happens when he stops at a gas station. He asks the attendant who's working there to call a mechanic because the keys to the Toyota Camry he rented was no longer working. When the mechanic shows up, he sees that Blair is very clearly trying to use a key that belongs to a Nissan Altima in his Toyota Camry. That's obviously why the car won't start. The key was from that Nissan that he had rented and abandoned at the Seattle airport. This mechanic tells Blair that it's the wrong kind of key, and he should probably check his pockets for the key to the Camry. He obviously has the key on him somewhere because he was able to get the car started and drive it to this gas station. Apparently, Blair refuses to look and just demands that this guy call the tow truck. The mechanic obviously thought that this was very weird, but he called him a tow truck anyway. The tow truck arrives and hauls off the Camry while Blair walks off on foot. This mechanic would later describe Blair as appearing not all there. He didn't seem like he was drunk or on drugs, nothing like that, but he did seem like he was in a daze. The next time Blair would be spotted was checking into a Fairfield Inn using a $100 bill at around 7pm that night. The hotel desk staff would say that he paid and then he walked away, not even waiting to receive his change. Best way to describe him would be paranoid. He just was very nervous, agitated, um, expecting someone to come in on him even though there wasn't anybody there. I don't know who he was looking for, but he was waiting for somebody to walk in for him. Blair didn't spend very much time at this hotel and he likely never even made it to his room. In a span of around 40 minutes, video surveillance footage would show him entering and exiting the hotel lobby several times. 
One hotel employee named Tika Hartsfield would say, quote, He was just very nervous, agitated, expecting someone to come in on him even though there wasn't anybody there. I don't know who he was looking for, but he was waiting for somebody to walk in for him. When no one else walked into the lobby, Blair took off on foot at around 7.37 p.m. And this was the last time that Blair Adams was confirmed to be seen alive, and it's believed that he went somewhere to get something to eat. The following morning at around 7 a.m. on July 11th, two workers would discover the deceased, partially nude body of Blair Adams lying in a parking lot of a hotel that was under construction. There were quite literally thousands of dollars in cash scattered around his body in various currencies, including Canadian, American, and German money. He had even more cash tucked away into the pants of his blue jeans, which had been removed off of him. The cash appeared to be mostly untouched, all except for around $110, which would later be recovered from another worker who admitted to taking it off the body. How embarrassing for him. One sheriff who was investigating the scene would describe the way that his pants were removed like, quote, somebody else pulled them down for him. His socks lay on the pavement next to him along with his car keys, including the keys for the Toyota Camry, which he refused to look for, and his hotel room card. Blair's shoes were also removed, and one of them was underneath his head. It appeared like he had taken one of his shoes off and then attempted to use it like a pillow as he laid there waiting for help. Close to the body, they also found a duffel bag and a fanny pack that had maps, travel receipts, five ounces of gold bars, jewelry, coins, and a set of sunglasses. Whoever had done this to him clearly did not have the intention of robbing him. Investigators interviewed people who lived and worked nearby to find out if anyone had seen or heard anything, but the only information that they garnered was from a security guard who worked at a nearby business and reported hearing a short scream at around 3.30 a.m. while he was working his shift. He said he believed it was a woman's scream. Other than that, no one had any valuable information to provide. An autopsy would be conducted, and it was determined that Blair had died from a fatal blow to his stomach. He had been badly beaten, possibly with an instrument like a crowbar or a baseball bat, which had also sliced open his forehead. However, the fatal blow was one which ruptured his stomach and killed him from septic shock. It appeared that Blair fought back against his attackers. His hands were found bruised and bloody. In one of his hands, investigators found a single strand of long hair, which has been a key piece of evidence in this case. Unfortunately, still to this date, there have been no DNA matches for this hair so far. It's also believed that Blair may have been sexually assaulted. He did have a few injuries that imply it may have happened, but unfortunately no DNA evidence. When combined with the fact that his body was found nude from the waist down, one of the leading theories in this case is that this was some sort of sexual activity that went wrong. 
The area that Blair's body was discovered in has long been known as a hotbed for sex work, especially with a truck stop located just across the road. The idea here is that Blair probably tried to buy sex, maybe something went wrong, maybe the sex worker tried to rob him or have her pimp try to rob him, and then that ended up with him dying from that blow to the stomach. This theory makes sense only if you don't consider all of the cash and gold that he had on him. If they had planned to beat him and then rob him, why wouldn't they take the thousands of dollars in cash that he had or all of the jewelry and the gold bars? Granted, some of the cash was in Canadian dollars, which at this point in 2023 is just funny money and practically worthless, but back then, it would have been worth something at least. Blair also had US dollars on him, which wasn't touched either. Another theory is that Blair was involved in some sort of illegal activity, which is why he had so much cash and gold on him to begin with. Maybe he was trying to smuggle drugs. Maybe the immigration officers were right to keep him out. He did have a history of alcoholism, which led him down some dark paths. But to his friends and family, that was all behind him now. It's alleged that he had made a few enemies while he was working in Germany at his stepdad's construction company. He even told his girlfriend that he was afraid of these enemies coming to hurt him in a recent conversation. But how likely is it that these guys would travel all of the way from Germany over to Canada and then over the border to the States just to find and kill this one guy? The third theory is that Blair was having a psychotic episode, a total break from reality, and he was hallucinating, believing that he was being followed. All of which was only in his head. Unfortunately, he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time, and it's a total coincidence that he just so happened to be murdered during a time in his life when he believed that someone was actually trying to kill him. This kind of seems to be the most likely scenario, but it still doesn't explain why he was found with all of his belongings, including all of that cash. What was the motive behind this murder, if not robbery? There were several other unsolved murders from around the same area that he was found in. Could he have been the victim of a local serial killer? And what about the sexual assault? Investigators were not able to determine when it would have happened, whether it was during the same attack, or if something had happened to Blair earlier in the evening. In a much later interview, Blair's mother would mention to a reporter that she believed he was once in a romantic relationship with a male roommate. She said, quote, they acted a little strangely and giggled a lot and it was kind of odd, but then he went back to a heterosexual relationship after that. Do with that information what you will, take it with a grain of salt. It just adds to that one theory that it could have been an encounter gone wrong. Whether it was with a female or a male, it doesn't really matter. All that matters is whoever it was, I'm sure the police would love to speak with them. At this point, it's been 27 years since Blair Adams was found lying on the ground at an old hotel construction site, beaten to death. Investigators believe that while Blair's delusions of someone wanting to kill him were very real to him, they were just that, delusions. 
They don't believe that his murder was as a result of that. They don't believe that someone was intentionally following him and wanting to kill him. Detectives on this cold case have said that unless someone comes forward to admit that they were the ones who did this, it's unlikely that Blair Adams' murder will ever be solved. But stranger things have happened, and they do have that strand of hair. Though it does not match anyone currently in this system, that doesn't mean that it never will. We're also seeing a lot of cold cases just like Blair's that are being solved using Ancestry DNA databases and familial matches to track down suspects who have been able to avoid being in the system. I want Blair back. I want him well and healthy. I want him to knock on the front door and come in. But obviously, that's not going to happen. I don't know. You know, Blair is dead. And it would be nice to to have some understanding of why he died. That's it for me tonight. If you want to reach out, you can find me on Facebook at Serial Napper. You can also search for me on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Check me out on Twitter at Serial underscore Napper or I post things on TikTok, Serial Napper Nick, and that's all one word. If you're watching on YouTube, I'd love if you can give me a thumbs up and subscribe. And if you're not watching on YouTube, you can check out all of my podcast episodes in video format. Until next time, sweet dreams, stay kind, especially in the comments. Bye. I'm Dean, I'm the dad. I'm Laura, I'm the mom. And I'm Crystalyn, I'm the daughter. And together we are... Family Plot! The Family Plot Podcast, a show where we discuss history, folklore, true crime, and the paranormal. Minus all the oogie bits. We are PG-13. We're almost 15 now. in the commercial. Do... Catch us looking into special topics like the origins of fairy tales, Sherlock Holmes, and the trial of Dr. Hyde and Mr. Swope. Find out who Dad Man Crush is. Or what happens in Krista's Corner. But behave you two. So come be a part of the fam. Available on Google, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Family Plot Podcast. Bye!